I like to just come in quietly and leave quietly. But I'm never allowed to do that. I'm never allowed to do that. But let me first uh, say that I'm greatly indebted to be for the invitation to minister here tonight. I really had a task in preparing a sermon for you tonight. Uh, I've preached here a number of times. And uh, I do not want to make the mistake by preaching to you the same sermon. And so, half past three in the morning, I stand up and I take my wife to hospital. And then I wait there for, for four hours, but I have my laptop with me. And then I was busy with a sermon in preparing. So this sermon has not been preached anywhere yet. So it's fresh from the oven uh, that I'm preaching. It's not been preached at my congregation and nowhere in, anywhere else, but uh, just here for the first time here tonight. Uh, you know, I was, I was just sitting there, and maybe there are someone here that do not know how to translate or have the vocal ability to speak to God in a way in which he likes God not to miss him. And uh, I was uh, sitting there and I, I asked my wife, what, what is that song again, that, that hymn, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. When on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Maybe you are missing it. And I'm saying that as a prayer for you tonight, that by the end of the night, the Savior will not pass you by. I want to read to you tonight from Genesis 22. It's a very familiar story. Genesis 22, and I'll be reading 14 verses from 1 to 14. Verse 1, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abram rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder, worship and we will come back to you. So Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hands and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abram his father and said, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abram said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, so that the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abram built an altar there and placed the wood in order 
And he bound Isaac his son and laid him onto the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad and do, uh, and do not anything and, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abram lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And so Abram went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abram called the name of the place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The Lord bless his precious word. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. Your word is eternal. Your word is abiding. Your word is like fresh milk that renew our spirits day by day. We pray that as we heed to your word that our lives will never be the same. We do not preach just for tonight, but we preach a word that will stick and stay with people for years and generations to come. We pray that this word will become fruitful in the lives of your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. I was on Bible school, went in 2007. In 2010, I graduated with a degree, and I was also the graduate speaker for that year. While I was coming up to the pulpit, I made a statement before I made my speech. And I said to the whole auditorium there, what I want is not to possess a religion. But what I want is for a religion to possess me. I want a religion that would possess me. Now tonight, I have a very strange title for my sermon. In fact, it's more, in, it's more a question than what it is a sermon. And the, the sermon that I have for you tonight, are you serious? Are you serious? The text, when properly understood, tells us that authentic religion is serious business. In fact, it's an expression, authentic religion is an expression of our faith. It is also a reflection of our personal walk with God. Authentic religion, by definition, is more than a few phrases borrowed from generation past. Authentic religion is verified by a traverse life of mountains high and valleys low. Authentic. The world is crying for authentic religion, which can only be verified by mountains high and valleys low. 
There are many songwriters that write us the songs that testify to the very fact that our lives can only testify of the mountains and the valleys. When we hear the song of Mary, Mary that sings, I can give up now. Or when we hear the Brooklyn Tapernacle sing the song of Jackie Ferris, my help, my help. When I lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. Or when we listen to Marvin Zip, when he says, I never would have made it. I never would have made it. You see, because why authentic religion can only be verified by mountains high and valleys low. It's when you, after many years, you are still around. After you've gone through the mall and through the fire, you are still around. Then Tamela man sings that song, Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn in pieces through all the suffering. Take me to the cross and leave me there. Leave me there because authentic religion will always address the mountains high and valleys low because the Christian path is wrought with dangers. Enemies present on every side. The cost of discipleship is high. And if the record of history serves me correct, it will even cost you your life. This is serious business. Are you serious? Are you serious? How serious are you? Sometimes, we can look up and say sometimes we do not even love the songs that we sing. If you consider the expressions of your faith, then I'm asking you the question, how serious is it? When you look at the expressions of your faith, how serious is it? When by every measurement, over many years I've seen that by every measurement, the witnesses are weak. And the commitment, the commitment of people are, are lacking. In fact, it is questionable. We look at our churches today. I'm telling you, the commitment of people is questionable. Their work is half-hearted. Our sacrifices are tipping. Our offerings are unpredictable. And our worship is at many times lukewarm. Niemand say preach it, Pastor. <laughs> Maybe God is looking from the portals of heaven and says, Are you serious? What a sad day it is when we take the blood of the cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and overlaid it with brass and gold just to make it acceptable. What a sad day that is. The question 
of are you serious falls in the realm of are you joking? Are you serious? I don't believe you. It falls in the realm of I just simply can't accept this. Are you serious? Have you ever looked at somebody and say, no, serious? Let me give you a little serious. You've got to be kidding me. Because the question pretends that a grave error has been made. Some expectation is there that insults the boundaries of logical thought. It appears to be that some requirement has been made that appears be above and beyond the limitation of human reasoning. And the only question that can be asked, are you serious? Are you serious? Jesus comes from a town of Nazareth. His type disciples are made from a common thread. And he himself tells his disciples, the birds have better nests than I. The foxes have better holes than I. And then he says, but if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. You're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. For he who lose his life will gain it. And he who gain his life, he shall lose it. So the cost of discipleship is high. To which the only reply of disciples could be, the birds have better houses than you, the foxes have better holes than you, but your demands are so high. Because religion is serious business. To which the only logical reply of the disciples to the Lord could be, are you serious? Look at the exiles from Babylon. When they were taken away from the country that they loved, the temple that they cherished were taken away from them. The walls of the city was broken down. The cream of the crop was taken into exile. Daniel was gone. Sidrach was gone. Ezekiel was gone. Misech was gone. All of the cream of the crop was taken away. And then they came into a foreign land called Babylon. And when they are there, the people ask of them, sing for us one of the songs of Zion. We heard so much of this. We yearn. We, we, we are in Babylon, but we yearn for the songs of Zion. Please sing us one of the songs of Zion. To which they reply, are you serious? We've just lost. Our kingdom, our temple, we have lost our comforters. They have taken away our shepherds. They have taken away our prophets that gives us the word of God. That so when in difficult times, 
Our comforters has been taken away. Our burden carriers is no longer there. Our people who lead us in worship is no longer in existence. They are all in Babylon. And Babylon says to them, sing us one of the songs of Zion. While they are sitting by the rivers of Babylon, they are saying to themselves and to the people of Babylon, they say, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? He says, may our tongues cleave to the top of our mouths, but we shall not sing Zion's songs in a foreign land. We yearn and we long for God to come back to us. We yearn and we long to be delivered and set free. We yearn to be and long for God to take us away from this place. And that day was speedily coming after many years when they say when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. He says our mouths were filled with laughter. We were like those, and let's say, as what let's say, let's say, Jana, is it waar? Ons is vry, ons kan ons eindelijk knip. Sorry, pastor, we can pinch ourselves because what God is doing feels like a dream. When he brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. But you know what is the other part of it? He are speaking to us today, and then he says to the generation of today, he says, now, Lord, do it again. Make for this people what you did for us. Make them feel as if they are dreaming. Do something for them that will make them look back and says, let us pinch ourselves. Maybe it is not true. Maybe we are dreaming. But do something for them that will make them feel as if they are dreaming. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they say, how can we do this in a foreign land? In Genesis 22, <coughs> God had a relationship with Abraham. That relationship started in Ur of the Saudis when God called Abraham. Abram was a friend of God. Or like today they say they are besties or BFFs. He was a friend of God. He communed with God. He fellowshiped with God. God loved Abram so that he made a covenant with Abram. The covenant, God says, it's between me and you, Abraham. I will bless you like the sands of the sea and the stars of heaven. I will bless you, Abram. I will pour out favor upon you. Those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. But there's a relationship between me and you. I love this man, Abraham, the man of faith, the man who would take his family up and leave the land of the elders and travel to the promised land, the land of Canaan. He is going there, but God promised, God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make, give you an offspring. It's, it's going to be like the sand of the sea. And then Abram realized, man, I'm a, I'm a hundred years old. My seed has dried up. My wife's womb is closed. That's why the scandal happened. 
Because they understood that there's no longer going to be any procreation. They understood that. And so, Abram go in by Hagar and produced an Ishmael. But you see, sometimes God waits until you can no longer produce so that everything can be of Him and for His glory, Pastor. For His glory. Because while you are able to produce, you can still claim it's me. But when your body is dead, it's no longer you but God. It's no longer you but God. But God loved Abraham. In chapter 17, Abram speaks to God. The problem is, God, are you, are you going to bless me? Who, is it going to be Eliezer who's in my house? And the Lord says, no, your offspring is going to come from your own body. Sarah's going to produce. The difficulty is going to be erased. This year, this time, next year, your wife will produce. She may be laughing, she may what, but once God, is anything too hard for God? A year later, she produced. The problem is solved. And then, Isaac is born. And then God says, Abraham, give me your Isaac. The one whom you love. The one who you care about. To which the only reply of Abram. You, you cannot be, the question is a question of incredulity. It's, it's, the question is, I'm, I'm asking God. But in the same token, God can ask me, are you serious? Because the seriousness of Abram's faith is going to be tested. And so Abram's, the only question that Abram could ever got, are you serious? You want me to do what? You want me to lay my son on an espire and then want me to rise up again and rejoice? You want me to, to lead what? You want me to build what? You want me to go through the valley and then the shadow of death is following me? Are you serious, God? In order to come to the kingdom, you tell me I must suffer tribulation? Are you serious? You want me, like Job, to lay on the espile of pain and then stand up and to say, Glory, hallelujah. Are you serious, God? You are the one who says, that in order to rise, I must fall. In order to lead, I must follow. In order to love, I must be hated. In order to win, I must lose. In order to get, I must give. And in order to live, I must die. Are you serious, God? Are you serious? Abram unwillingly raises for us the question, of the seriousness of God and the purpose of our prayer. Abram raises a point which scholars, scholars call the capriciousness of God. The capriciousness of God is the question that assumes 
that God requires of us the unthinkable and exposes us to the inconceivable and place before us that which is unattainable. That is the capriciousness of God. It's no longer just dancing in the street. It is you are being challenged for the test of the seriousness of your faith and trust in God. Abraham, only logical reply could be, God, are you serious? Sarah has been pregnant. She has given birth to a son. Twelve years has passed. And God says, I know you love your Isaac. The sun rises and falls by your Isaac. In fact, I gave you Isaac. I gave you Isaac. But look at this. Abram, I know you love him. But will you permit him for me? Will you turn that which you love into ashes for me? Because God is taking his own cremating. Isaac says, the fire is here. But where is the lamb? He's telling me, I must take my son and cremate him and turn the love that I have into ashes for God. Wow. I'm telling you, I don't know what. We cannot just take it lying down. I have to paraphrase this a little bit. Imagine, just imagine. Sarah's asking him, where are you going with my son? He says to Sarah, no, I'm going to worship. He doesn't tell her what God told him. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Sarah, yes. He's going to take uh, 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 Isaac and go, no, there's going to be a fight. So he keeps silent. He does not tell her anything. Doesn't men do that today? They don't tell the woman everything. They keep silent. They don't say because they feel, if I tell my wife this, this is going to be trouble. So he doesn't tell her anything. He, he, he doesn't tell her anything. But he takes Isaac up the mountain. But he's already thinking, what am I going to tell Sarah when I get back? Do you think it was that easy for him? It wasn't that easy for him. He's going to take his son up to the mountain and going to put him onto an aspire and cremate him there. There are some times that we do not know what the outcome is going to be. We're just playing it by ear. We, we, we just hope that God is going to come in and intervene and, 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 and stop it. We, 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 we are waiting on Him as He has given us the instruction. Though it is unthinkable and our request and our response to Him is, Are you serious, God? You really want me to do this? And so this man, he goes up the mountain and he takes his Isaac there 
And then the Bible says he put the waste, the, the wood there. Puts it up there. He, he's, he's serious. Abram is going to put his Isaac to death. He takes his knife. And going to put him to sleep. Are you serious, Abram? Are you really going to do this? The thing is, he's going to do that. God has a question for Abram. Abram, how serious are you? Abram was asked to give up that which was important to him. When last did you sacrifice something to God? which was important to you. When last, how come our witnesses are weak? Our offerings are unpredictable, never stable. Our commitment, it's not where it is supposed to be, it is questionable. Where do we fit in? There are times when the word of God should be like fire in your body or fire in your bones. Is there a word of God inside of you? When the world out there is languishing, how is it when people step into our pews and sit there and walk away empty and hungry? It is like the Lord is waiting on the outside and he says, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me because the men that I have appointed to feed them did not feed them. If we want to know how serious you are, there are a few things that you're going to have to do. Number one is the Bible tells us in Genesis 22, Genesis 22, verse 2. Then he said to Abram, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. And so Abram rose early that morning and settled his donkey and took the two young men with him. Now, I want you to notice here. Here is a total surrender. In verse 2, take your son. In verse 3, Abram rose early that morning and he went. There's no discussion. There's no meetings. There's no trying to find out, is it God that has spoken to me? The Bible says in verse 2, God said, take your son. Verse 3, Abram arose and took his son. Sometimes there's too many questions and arguments to find out and verify if what God is saying is real, but he has spoken to you. He has spoken to you. The other thing is, you must surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all to him I freely give. You must come. If you are going to be serious with God, you're going to have to surrender everything to Him. We're living in a time when the world are looking for authenticity. 
They're looking for verification to our claims. Do they look at our lives and say, are these people serious? I see nothing. I see more commitment from unbelievers than I see from believers. You do not want that to be a testimony. Because you've got to be a wholehearted for Jesus. And if you cannot be, then you're going to lose it all. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and give it to me, Isaac, uh, Abraham. I want you to notice that Abraham must take his son and give it to God. Here is the point. God says to Abraham, I will not take your son. I will not snatch your son away from you. I want you to give me your son. Are you willing to lay your son on the altar for me? And Abram, take his son and lay it on the altar. And the Bible says he raises the knife. And I can imagine, because the Bible says a voice came from heaven, I can imagine that God is telling the host of angels that are observing this thing between God and Abram, that God is testing him, and they are observing it, and God says to the angels, Abraham is serious. Abraham loves me. Abraham is willing to turn his love into essence. Abraham is willing to give the only thing that he loves, the one who is, the, who is his son's sign. When he stands up in the morning, he brings a smile to his face. Abraham is serious. And he says to the angels, go and stop him. And the angel came from heaven and he said, Abraham, do not lay your hand to your son because the Lord will provide. In the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide. And Abraham looked up. And he saw a remda. Imagine God specifically put a remda just for you not to lay your hand on your son. But you must give him. Sometimes we hold on too long to our sons. Sometimes we hold on a little bit too long. It's time to let go. God said, give him to me. I know how to work with him. The Lord is long-suffering. The Lord is abounding in mercy. The loving kindness of God is better than life itself. Stop Abram! He must not put his, his hand on his son. It's like, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I want to tell you something else. You know that Abram took his son to the Mount of Moriah and then on Moriah he put a wood there and put his son there and it is called even up till to this day it is said, the scripture says even up till to this day it is called in the mountain the Lord will provide. 
the Lord will provide. Our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on the hill of Golgotha. Do you know on what mountain range the hill of Golgotha falls? On the mountain range of Moriah. It falls on the mountain range when God provided for Abraham a land. He was indirectly speaking to us who would be here today and says in the mountain of the Lord he will provide for his people. He will provide for his people. He provide for them a way where there seemed to be no way. He will provide for them. When Abram stood up that morning, there was a yes in his speech. He said, yes, God. I will stand up and I will go. And I will sacrifice my Isaac for you. There was no long speech. He just said, yes, Lord. Is there a yes in you tonight? Is there a yes in you? That when on others he may call him, you say, he must not pass me by. If he, when he is going to call here tonight, are you going to come? Are you going to step out and says, do not pass me by. While on others thou art calling, Lord, do not pass me by. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. Take me to the cross and leave me there. I need to be in a place where God helps me. Even when your wheels come off and your walls are caving in and your roof collapses, and the bottom falls from under you. And the rock is being pulled out from under you. The Lord will provide for you. The Lord will provide for you. God promised Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you like the sand of the sea. Abraham was willing to give God his only son. His only son. But that son was not the sand of the sea. He was only one. And then Abram died, and that promise has not been fulfilled yet. And then Jacob came along, and years later, Jacob is being taken into Egypt because Joseph was there before him. And the Bible tells us they went into Egypt 70. 70. Apart from Joseph and his sons and his wife being there, made it 75. Now they are in Egypt 75. But they are in slavery for 430 years. They are in slavery. They are suffering. But God never forgot Abram. God never forgot Abram. Because in the midst of the suffering, he is going to fulfill the promise he made to Abram. In the midst of slavery, he is going to fulfill the promise he made to Abram. I'm going to bless you, Abram. And I'm going to make you like the sand of the sea. The children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Pharaoh made their life a living year. And they cried unto the Lord. 
And the Lord left them there 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years. And they cried unto the Lord. The Bible says, but while they are crying, God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham. They went in 70. And the day when Moses came and lead the children of Israel out, the first thing when they came to Katesbernia, uh, when they came there, they were not automatically on a journey. The Lord had them wait there for one full year and says to Moses, now you count them one by one. Count them one by one. Count them by their tribes. I took in if I took in Judah when they were eight. I took in Reuben when they were six. I took in Gad when they were four. I took them into Egypt. Count them now. And when they were counted, they were more than two million. More than two million. Why? Because God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham. You see? Sometimes... Sommige tijd ja, heel los. Het gaat zwaar, het gaat moeilijk. But God is more concerned about the promise he made to Abraham. That he was going to bless them. And the tribes, daar was mijn strijd wat gemoonet. Daar was strijd wat gemoonet. He blessed them. And when they are counted, they are 18,000 and 20,000. Then you come to Judah, you come to Benjamin, you come to Joseph, you come to Manasseh. When they were counted, they were more than 75,000 of them in Israel. In other words, where men are faithful to God, God will increase your number. He will bless you. He will increase your number. The other thing that he wanted you to know, when you commit your life and sacrifice everything to him, Surrender everything to him. When he counted them, he says to, 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 to Moses and Aaron, you will count them one by one. I want to know the name of the heads of their families. I want to know the names of their fathers. I want to name the name of their grandfather. Do you know that that book borders on boredom, the book of Numbers? It borders on boredom because it tells you that this one was the head of this tribe. And that one was the head of that tribe. And he was the son of this one and the son of that one and the son of that one. For chapters upon chapters upon chapters, you will go on like that. But you know what, what God is saying? You are important to me. I want to know who your leader is. I want to know who your father is and who your great-granddaddy is. And I want to know who you are. So I want to number you. I want to count you. If a man is faithful, the Lord will take you up and have you numbered. And have you numbered. Have you put on there. And have you numbered. He numbered them one by one. And then they were given the totals. Then they were given the totals. And they exceeded two million. Isn't that a wonderful miracle? that God is doing for his people, that he, in the midst of their pain and their suffering, God was still working 
onto the promise he made to them. He was still working onto the promise that he made to them. He wants to know who your granddaddy is and who everyone is. They were numbered one by one. No wonder Jesus said, your hairs are numbered. You know why you are numbered? You know why they were numbered? You know why God counted the Israelites? Because he wanted to know those who are his. He wanted to know those who are his. Like tonight, you're going to have to stand up and be counted. Because the Lord wants to know those who are his. And that everyone who knows calls upon the name of the Lord. Stand aside from what is wrong. The Lord, Paul says to Timothy, the Lord knows those who are his. You have been numbered. You've got to stand up and be counted. Don't let your commitment be lacking. Don't let your commitment be questionable. Don't let your witness be weak. Don't let your offering be unpredictable. Don't let your praise be lukewarm. Let us not sing songs and not live it. Let us live, live lives that are meaningful for God. With every eye closed, with every eye closed, don't look around. We do not want those who need to accept Christ to miss the opportunity of accepting him. So if there is anyone, we do not want to labor this, but we want you to give you the opportunity, every opportunity, to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Is there such a person? Is there such a person? Anybody? If everyone is born again, or maybe if you are a bit shy, and you... There are a lot of counselors here. Speak to one of the leaders here, tell them ministry, and says, I want to commit my life to the Lord. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I surrender. I want to pray for people who has been lacking in commitment, who feels they have to renew their walk with God, that feels it is time to stand up and be serious. Are you serious? If you want to have a serious commitment with God and need prayer here tonight, I want you to step up to the front as we would like to pray for you. There are many men of God here that can pray. Can we do so quickly? If there's anyone that needs prayer, Praise the Lord.
Is there anyone else? Come, let us all stand. Father, your people are here before you tonight. And we are standing in your presence. Everyone's heart is open before you. We thank you that you are a good God and a merciful God. That your desire at all times is to bless us. To lift us up. <clears throat> 